5, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 15. Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. As we continue our uh, series uh, on uh, the life of Moses, and we're taking a look at the, uh, being able to not be left behind, but to continue to follow him. And we want to be able to do that today. And we're glad that you're here today. We're glad that you have come and you're live streaming today. If you're with us, and uh, we appreciate the fact we can uh, always uh, know that there are people that are worshiping with us, even when you were here in the sanctuary, uh, or we had just a few, and uh, we knew that there were many that would continue to worship. We knew that we were worshiping together, though apart, and now we're worshiping together, some here and some apart, and it's okay, and we know that the Lord is good. We uh, want to encourage you. You know, it's kind of uh, the unofficial beginning of summer after Memorial Day, and Tomorrow's June 1st, and so we're encouraging. Lots of things going to be happening. You'll be hearing more about them at the end of the service. But uh, we're encouraging everybody to be part of our 30-day of prayer walking. You don't have to walk straight for 30 days, although I guess it would be good to some part of that day. But we encourage you to take at least one day to where you come, and you do a prayer walk here at the church, uh, outside campus and all of our Sunday school rooms, and you pray about the things certainly happening in our church as well as in our community and in our world. And in this day and time with the things happening with our certainly pandemic and hopefully we uh, hope that we are making some changes and turns there and certainly things we've been seeing in the news with rioting around our nation. We know that it is a time for God's people to be called to pray. But so we want you to be spiritually healthy, but we also want you to be physically healthy. And so there's kind of a 30-day physical challenge that uh, begins tomorrow. And uh, you'll be hearing more about that in ways in which you might be able to sign up. But today is the day in which we have come to worship. And we appreciate the fact that we've been able to lift praises up together today. And we've lifted up prayers. And we're going to be reading God's word here in just a moment. But I want to pray for you today. Particularly, we want to pray for our church, community, and world. Let's do that together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you so very much for the opportunity to be able to worship you today. And we thank you, Father, that we can... Come at this time, whether it be in our homes or here in this worship service, we know that you're present here with us. And we thank you so much for that. And we pray, Father, particularly for Parkway Baptist Church, we pray that we may remain uh, spiritually and physically strong and healthy as a church. We thank you, Father, that we have continued to be the church. Even though we haven't been together, we've continued to reach out and be the arms and the uh, feet and the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We continue to be the body of Christ and we pray that we will do that even more in the days to come. We pray for our community, Father. We pray that uh, in our community that we may be able to see revival take place. More and more people come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. We pray that it will happen also in our nation and in our world. We pray, Father, for the end of this pandemic. We believe in prayer and know that God's people should call upon you for answers in today's world. We also pray, Father, for the rioting that's taking place. And Father, we pray for race relations and we pray that God's love might be supreme and particularly that uh, we might be the salt and light of the world today in a day in which the world is, needs this, these very things. And we thank you, Father, here for what's taking place. Even this hour, Father, we want to dedicate ourselves to you. Now, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock in my Redeemer. Precious name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. We're reading today from Exodus chapter 5. 
This now is the word of God, beginning with verse 1. We're going to read through verse 15, but you might want to keep your Bibles open. We may look at some other verses around that chapter as well. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1 says this, Afterward Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with a pestilence or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose upon them and you shall by no means reduce it for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Verse 10 reads, So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says the Lord, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have, you done all, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? And verse 15 reads, Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. There have uh, been many infamous quotes, or I guess infamous people who have made statements only come found out not to be true. We're going to show you some of those today. One of those is this. It is, I guess we'll get it through them in about a day. Well, it was said by, in 1876 by General George Custer of Little Bighorn. Other mistaken sayings include the cinema's a little more than a fad. Uh, it is canned drama. I'm going to get out of this business. It's too much for me. I'll never catch on, said by Charlie Chaplin in 1914. Uh, Another famous line was, you'd better learn secretarial work or else get married, said by Emmeline Snively, a modeling agent, said to Marilyn Monroe. And then there was this one, Gone with the Wind's going to be the biggest flop in the history of Hollywood. I'm just glad it's Clark Gable who's fallen flat on his face and not Gary Cooper, said by Gary Cooper in 1938. Uh, the next one is, My Intention... My invention, excuse me, can be exploited for a certain time as a scientific curiosity, but apart from that, it has no commercial value whatsoever. Said by Auguste Lemire, the inventor of the movie camera in 1895. And another one is, just a couple of more hang in there. While a calculator now is equipped with 18,000 vacuum tubes, weighs 30 tons, computers in the future may have only 1,000 vacuum tubes and weigh only about one and a half tons. Then I think also about computers there. Uh, that was said by Popular Mechanics in 1949. And then there's no reason for any individual to have a computer in their home, said by Ken Olson, president of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1977. And then here's one. 
a little bit more up to date perhaps. This pandemic will be over and the country will be up and running by Easter of this year. Boy, I sure was hoping that that would be the case. And then, of course, maybe the most famous quote in all of history of somebody being wrong was that of an Egyptian king who told Moses and Aaron, I will not let God's people go, Pharaoh said to Moses. Little did he know, he would not only let God's people go, but he would ask them to leave, and they would be giving the treasures of Egypt to God's people. Well, we know that uh, people have been trying to predict the future throughout history, but only our Lord knows what will happen in the future and the things that we can expect as we follow Him. Perhaps you're facing today a challenge maybe like you've never faced before. Maybe it's something that has to do with a pandemic or maybe some of your own challenges that you're facing. And you do not know what the future is going to hold. But what you want to do is you want to be sure that you know the one who knows the future from beginning to end, the one in whom you can trust. And we, aren't you glad that we have a God who has the future all planned out? We've been talking about Moses as he follows God. He's met God on the mountain, and now he's following God back to Egypt, and he's meeting with Pharaoh. I don't know that you've noticed this yet or not, but our Christian life and our Christian journey can it's kind of reflected in the story of Moses and what's happening with the Israelites. Some of you have had mountaintop experiences. Moses was on the mountain, maybe when you became a believer in the Lord Jesus. Maybe recently, as we've talked about following God's call and God's plan for your life, you've come to that moment where you realize, yes, God does have a call on my life, and you know that you want to be able to follow that plan. We know that community is important. Moses made his way back and he's talked with the Israelite leaders and so he's beginning to have community with God's people there. And here we find he's had community. We've talked about the things that we know that we need to worship. In fact, the very last verse in chapter 4 says that after he met with the Israelites and he talked with the people, he showed them God's signs and said, together they bowed and worshiped. And we've talked about how important that is and other parts of the Christian life and the Christian journey. We know that we're to seek for unity among believers. We're to give of our resources. We're to be certainly close in following who God is. Well, eventually every believer is to come down from the mountain and to go out of the world and to follow God's call. It's my prayer that by the end of this service not only will you realize that God has a call on your life. We've talked about some of those things as we talked about the call on Moses' life but also that you'll be able to realize that, yes, you need to make that commitment to follow through in the things that the Lord would have you to be doing. Maybe some of those spiritual disciplines that you know that are important, or maybe that particular thing or that particular plan that you know that God has on your life or even to follow and to seek Him more closely. We believe the Holy Spirit's already in the work of lives of many, but before you make that commitment, I believe you need to know what to expect if you're going to follow Jesus Christ more closely. Some notes that were uh, sent out by email, and you could have picked some up, and they'll be on the screen here. But we're going to talk about what you can expect when you boldly follow God and then how to handle the conflict along the way, like the conflict that Moses came across as he was following God. Well, what are the things that you can expect if you're going to follow God, if you're going to follow more closely? Well, you can expect suspicion. Some people will be suspicious about who Christ is or who Jesus is or maybe even suspicious about your own motivation. I, I believe as we enter chapter five, of Mo, of chapter 5 of Exodus, Moses was pumped. 
I believe, I believe he was ready. He's gotten such encouragement from God. He got encouragement as he made his way from, uh, uh, from the land of Midian and then back to Egypt. He was encouraged by many of the things. He was certainly encouraged by the Israelites as they believed and they followed. They wanted to worship God and they began to believe in Yahweh God as he was introduced to them by Moses once again. And I believe that what he said about God appearing to him and calling him, he had seen and even demonstrated that power of God. He was ready to take on the king of Egypt. In fact, we're going to find that Moses, often from this point forward, we're going to find him to be more of a bold and courageous follower and servant of God. Word about boldness and courage. Boldness comes from knowing God. Boldness is not the absence of fear. It is moving on and going forward in spite of it. You're able to be bold and courageous when Christ becomes the center of your focus and not self. You and I can then be more bold and courageous as we continue to make Christ the center of our heart and the center of our lives. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27 is one of those verses that talks about Moses. Hebrews 11 being the great faith chapter of the New Testament. And there it talks about Moses and about his courage. Moses chapter 11 verse 27 it says, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may go and worship in the wilderness. But Pharaoh asked, Who is your God, and why should I pay any attention to him? Why should I obey his voice? I don't know the Lord. I will not let Israel go. Now keep in mind that God had already told Moses what Pharaoh's answer would be. So that should not have come as a surprise, but Pharaoh was being introduced to the God of Israel. Now, there are many gods in Egypt. They had perhaps hundreds of gods. So why would Pharaoh pay any attention to the God that Moses talked about? Matter of fact, Pharaoh himself was considered among the gods as to be a god. Why would he acquiesce to the God of the Hebrews? Now, Pharaoh, as far as we know, would never know God personally. But the day would come that he would be introduced and he would understand about the power of God and about the wrath of God. Now the name of God that Moses uses is the name that he had learned on the mountain. He introduced him there to Yahweh or Jehovah. And one of the things we learned about that name of God, I am or Yahweh, is that it means one and only. So Pharaoh ironically answers back using that sacred name of God. He asks, who is Yahweh, the one and only? He knew many gods, small g, but he didn't know the one and only. Well, you're going to run to a lot of people, perhaps, that know many gods, little g. Or they may know about God, but they may not know personally the one and only, the creator and the redeemer. God wants to introduce himself, and he may want to be able to do that through you to those who do not know him as the one and only. There are I believe there are many people today who are ready to believe. In fact, I believe that there have been many doors that have been opened even in the last 10, 11 weeks because of the pandemic that has taken place. And Jesus said to us that the fields are white in the harvest and that he needs workers in this harvest. However, we can expect much of the lost world to look at us and our God with suspicion. They may not be asking who is God, but they'll want to know what God is like and does he really love and care for them, and if so, why? 
when asked about God, Moses and Aaron responded in verse 3, and they really responded by what they just said. Read verse 3 with me again. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Now, basically, Moses basically asked the same question, but he adds a couple of more details. He told them, he said, he said something about going three days journey into the wilderness, particularly there. And then they did add the part about pestilence or the sword falling upon Israel, but I'm not sure what to do with that. Uh, did they simply not know what to say? Or did they forget that the pestilence and the sword that was coming was coming upon Egypt and not Israel? I think it was that Moses certainly knew God's commands were not to be taken lightly, and if that happened, Pharaoh would lose his slave force and workforce anyway. Pharaoh responds with even more suspicion. Why do you take the people from the work? He said, you just don't want to, you just want to get out of the work. Look at all the people who are working, and if they're not working, a lot does not get done. Eighty years before this, there was a Pharaoh who feared the multitude of Israel, that they were getting and going to be too many people. Here's another Pharaoh. He relishes in the fact that there are so many Israelites so that they might be able to work for him. And he said, oh, if you take that slaver away, they'll not be able to help build the cities and the monuments. We can expect there to be sometimes suspicion. It's not like a Christian, perhaps, who goes to his or her employer and asks off to, on the Lord's Day so that they might be able to go and worship. An employer suspicious that you just really don't want to work. Or the student who will not go along with the crowd at school or even in social Settings and everyone assumes that he or she thinks they're just better or think they're more holier than they are or they think they're just some kind of freak. Or the Christian who knocks on the door to share their faith and the homeowner wonders why that Christian would come and be able to want to share their faith with them or do they just want a spiritual knot on their religious belt of some kind. I became a Christian at an early age, much like many of our children in the last several weeks and months who've come to know Christ. In fact, we've got six children that are ready to be baptized. And I've got to tell you, it was at a young age, so I can't tell you that there was a lot of difference between I was really a bad boy until I was really a good boy. I mean, I was probably just as mischievous before as I was after. But there was a change. Like a lot of children, even a lot of adults and young people who come to know Christ, they want other people to be saved as well. They want more people to come to know Jesus as well. I hear that often from our children particularly and from adults and youth that certainly want to be able to share with others the good news that they have received. Well, I decided as a young child that I wanted all everybody on my block to go to church and to be able to know Jesus. And I thought I would start with the older man who lived next door to us. And uh, he lived next door to us. I, 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 he was my first one that I was going to go to, but I had figured that he really didn't like kids. I have three brothers, so there were four of us, and often our footballs and our baseballs and our bows and arrows would go across the fence, and they often never came back. It was kind of a sandlot kind of a neighbor, if you're familiar with that movie. But I came and I knocked on the door, and, and uh, I thought, well, what's the harm in asking? No harm in asking. And I asked, said to him, I said, would you like to go to my church next Sunday? And he asked me why, and 
I've probably said something like, I said, well, because I want you to be saved, and I don't want you to go to hell. I've never had an evangelism class. I wasn't sure exactly what to say. And even after that, he kept asking, why me? If that's several times he'd ask, why me? I was thinking because you're so mean and you don't throw back our baseballs. If anybody needs Jesus, you do. But I didn't say that. In fact, after the first or second answer, I just kind of stood there silently. I probably shrugged my shoulders. It was a long time ago. But I remember I left there kind of downtrodden, thought, well, my first attempt had failed. Graciously, since then, the Lord has continued to give me other attempts, and they have not all failed. But because God's grace, it was not the last time. Every few years now, I'll drive by that old house, which we moved away from in 1974, and I'll think about that old man who lived next door to the house. After all, I was eight or nine years old when I knocked on his door, and he was an old man. He probably was 35 or 40. He was probably older than that, but maybe not as old as perhaps what I thought that he was at that time, and, but probably may not still be living, but I thought and wondered, did he ever give his life to Jesus? Moses' first attempt to talk to Pharaoh was looked on with suspicion and could be considered a failure, but God was not through with Moses yet, or Pharaoh for that matter. When we do God's work and proclaim his message, chances are we'll be looked upon with suspicion. Why are you doing what you're doing? And may we not know the impact, or we may never know the impact at the present time of what doing God's work and proclaiming Jesus will have. I think I now know, at least in part, what to say when people ask why. I want you to notice this first. I think we've got it there for you on the screen. 2 Corinthians 14 and 15 says this. It says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The love of Christ compels us to continue to follow him. The love of Christ compels us to continue to follow him. Now, if you love Jesus and you love others, that's a great incentive for you to be able to share uh, with others or to do well for others or to show Christ's love, certainly. But that's not necessarily what's being said here because there are times that you and I, that if our love ever wanes, if we're wondering about our love for others and even our love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's not the incentive that is talked about here. It's because Christ loves you and Christ loves me. When everything else wanes and we wonder about our feelings, we wonder what's in our heart, what's happening around the world, thus this will never change. God's love for you and for others will never fail. But we also learned from Moses' experience, we can sometimes expect suffering. Not only suspicion, but also suffering. Sometimes things do get worse before they get better. That very day, Pharaoh said that the Israelites were beginning to make bricks without Straw. I don't know much about brick making. Sun-dried bricks is what they had in Egypt, and I had some kind of straw before that. Maybe it was the Egyptian workforce that provided the straw, but from now on, they were going to have to go, and they were going to have to take care of getting straw for themselves, and Pharaoh demanded still the same quota. When they did not make enough, the taskmasters, who were Egyptians, beat the foremen who were Israelites. And the Israelite foremen being treated unfairly went to Pharaoh to get justice, for they complained it was not fair 
that they had to make the same number of brick. It wasn't their fault. In fact, it was an impossible task. We read just a moment ago, you notice what Pharaoh did. He accused them of being lazy. That's why they wanted to go into the wilderness, he said, and worship because you must not have enough to do. Because in Pharaoh's mind, if he just, just makes them work harder, they'll not have time or any inclination to listen to lying words. And of course, the lying words that he's talking about are the words of God. Because Moses followed God's command, spoke to the king, they suffered hardship. So they were physically beaten. There was injustice, more than they had before. Sometimes Christ's followers who are serving him and living godly lives will suffer. Our life with Jesus may not always be easy. Be leery. Be leery of those who are preaching or teaching an easy believism. And that is which is a false truth to where if you follow Jesus, everything will go fine. Everything will go easy. In fact, Jesus said just the opposite, didn't he? He said, if you follow me, he said, if you follow me, life may not always be easy. But he always promised us that he would always give us his everlasting presence in help in times of trouble. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He said, Blessed are those when they revile you and persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely. For my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then Jesus told His disciples, in Luke chapter 21, He warned His disciples, he said, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Now, we need to know that the whole story of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We need not to expect that everything may be rosy all the time, for we know the world will reject the things of God unless they are touched by His redeeming love. There will be some trials and tribulations, especially for those who give their life over to serving Christ and radically follow God's plan to be used of Him. I find it interesting that most of the disciples remained faithful. In spite of the warning given in Luke chapter 21, they remained faithful. Most all died of their faith, because of their faith, gave their very life to tell people about Jesus. The world was turned upside down. All 12 of the disciples were martyrs. John's the only one who died of old age after being on the Isle of Patmos. So all were faithful except one. Back in the very next chapter, Luke chapter 21 is the warning that he gives to the disciples. They watch out. He said, they're going to drag you before the courts. You're going to be persecuted. But in Luke chapter 22, Judas went to the chief priest after that. And the captains and agreed to portray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Theologians have debated for centuries why Judas betrayed Jesus. And there may be many reasons we can come up with. Believe one of them was this. And that is that a heart that has not been redeemed, a heart that has not been transformed, will not be faithful when suffering for Jesus seems likely. There are some that when they hear being a follower of Jesus means you might have to suffer some persecution or trials. There's some that will only follow from a distance. Some have already decided that it's too much of a cost. 
Unless we know the whole truth, we will be easily disillusioned or disappointed. But the cause is well worth the cost. And Jesus said, suffering for Christ's name will be a testimony to others. It will bring glory to our Lord. Chances are, Jesus' follower or not, that all people are going to come into some troubles in this world. So why not? If you're going to suffer troubles, if you're going to suffer some tough times, why not let it be while or because you're following Jesus? How do you handle suffering, particularly if it's while serving Christ or because of serving Christ? Well, allow every difficulty to be a testimony to God's power and glory. Allow every difficulty to be a testimony to God's power and God's glory. When Moses pleased with God and asked, why is this happening? We're going to see that God's going to say, now watch my power be revealed. Watch and see. Last week we talked about encouragement. Moses received encouragement. He's making his way from the land of Midian there back to the land of Egypt. Say, so, well, does it sound encouraging so far? Well, this lesson is not a contradiction but a reality and hopefully even more encouragement. But living for Jesus will bring suspicion. Sometimes it will bring suffering. And it will bring spiritual struggle. The Israelite foreman complained to Pharaoh. The Bible says after they complained to Pharaoh as they're making their way out of the palace, Moses and his Aaron is sitting there waiting on them. And the confrontation of the Israelites toward Moses and Aaron was not polite. They said Moses and Aaron should be judged for bringing them such hardship. Pharaoh said, Pharaoh now hated the way they smelled. And now because of them, they feared for their very lives. And in verses 22 and 23 of Exodus chapter 5, we can see the struggle that Moses is going through. Exodus 5, 22 and 23 says this, Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. Now somewhere along the way, you probably were taught, you're not supposed to question God, just trust Him. Well, that's probably good advice. However, I've got to say that sometimes in our own lives, if you're thinking it in your mind and you have it in your heart and you've not prayed about it, it's just as bad or maybe even worse. How many of you have not had some difficulty that you've gone through at least at some point? Whether you've asked God or not, you've at least thought to yourselves, why? Why is this happening? What's God going to do about it? Well, don't go away from here saying that the preacher said that we should question God. But Moses is going to go to God many times and he's going to ask why. We commend him for this. You should do the same. Sometimes you're going to have struggles and questions and even doubts. Go to God every time. He knows what's in your mind and in your heart. He knows what you're thinking. But when you ask why or where are you, God, and what are you up to, know this. Sometimes he's going to help you to understand Immediately, Sometimes he's going to reveal himself in ways that you've not seen yet. At other times, you may not have the answer to the question why, but this is where faith comes in, and you've got to trust him. 
because God sees the big picture that we cannot see. There's lots of good illustrations about that, many of those that you've probably heard, like our life is a big mural and we're so close to it, we can just see one picture, but God can see the whole picture. Or one seemed like I've heard on the radio many times that God's, that we're playing checkers and God's playing chess. Or we can just see around up to the next bend. We can't see around, but God sees the whole highway. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard the story of uh, missionaries in the Amazon rainforest portrayed in the movie called The End of the Spear. It's a true story based on the book Through the Gates of Splendor. In the 1950s, five missionaries seek to make contact with the Wadoni people, the people that no foreigners had ever made contact with and lived to tell about it. But through a series of circumstances, they show them love and compassion, but it was only met by violence. As a matter of fact, all of the missionaries who came, all of the men who came into that tribe, even though they had guns, they were not going to use them, and they were all brutally killed by this tribe of people in the Amazon rainforest. And to hear about that story, it happened in the 1950s that uh, it seemed to be that there was no use. Certainly we probably thought God could have stopped that very thing and seemed to be no good that had come out of it. But the wives and the children of those five missionaries that were killed, they continued to make contact and they continued to make their way in to be able to share with the tribe of people. As a matter of fact, about 40 years went by and the son of one of those missionaries came, had conversation, showed forgiveness, and won him to Christ, the very one who had killed his dad. And now he spent many, many years living with the Wadoni people and continuing to bring more and more to Jesus Christ. Uh, we can expect some spiritual struggles along the way. But God uses those. As a matter of fact, you want to take every struggle, question, and doubt to the throne of God. Take every struggle, question, and doubt to the throne of God. Just as when we expect suspicion and suffering and struggles, we should also know there is a Savior who keeps His Word. A Savior who keeps His Word. We've read in Exodus chapter 5, look if you would a couple of verses in Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1 says this, it says, The Lord God told Moses, Soon you will see what I will do to the king because of my mighty power. He will let my people go, and he will even chase them out of this country. And verse 5 says, Now I have seen how the people of Israel are suffering because of the Egyptians. I will keep my promise. We need to count the cost to following Christ, but you also need to know that at the end of the day, my God delivers his, he promises joy, peace, and hope in everlasting life. Now earlier I had said that uh, Pharaoh was wrong when he said, I will not let my people go, but he was right because it was not the king of Egypt that let God's people go. It was by the power of God and only by the power of God. God delivered in the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. Let the world know that the king did not let them go. The one true God brought them out of his powerful hand. God freed them from slavery the Egyptians, we've talked about our journey, how it's reflected in this. Just as he frees us from the slavery to sin and death in this present world. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23 says, You have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. Be free now from all these earthly prides and fears. Last uh, 
Monday was Memorial Day. In fact, we talked the day before that about the freedoms that we have in Christ and those who paid the ultimate price and that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 speaks, 23 speaks to that. In Christ, all those who put their faith in Him are set free regardless of your nationality, regardless of any pandemic, regardless of any struggle that you may be having in your life or that you may be facing. In Christ, you are free. You live like you're free when you rely on Jesus. So when the going gets tough, you cling to Christ. In the New Testament, Judas was the only one of the twelve who counted the cost and decided it was not worth it. He died a most miserable death and left a miserable legacy of betrayal and destruction. Nobody today would dare name their child Judas. But because you count the cost and serve God, even knowing the consequences, somebody will want to want to know the one named Jesus. Do you know the one named Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Today you can call upon him. Today you can call upon Christ to forgive you of your sins. Ask Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord. Put your faith in him. Jesus wants to be introduced to those who do not know him. We, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we want to know him more and more every day and know him in a better way.